0: Hello, Schmovie listeners. This is John with a quick note before we get into episode 115. If you did hear number 114, you know we were having technical difficulties that resulted in a less than optimal tin can kind of sound. And that's the case with this one as well, because they were both recorded during the same session. So just wanted to let you know, it won't sound as good as usual, but I think it's a really strong episode. And I hope you enjoy it despite its flaws, much as the people who love you enjoy you despite your flaws. That's food for thought. Now on with the show. No, we're starting this episode right now, because we just found out, (laughs) this is episode 115, I'm I'm John. Welcome to Movie Smoothie, I'm Steve. I'm Ronald. We just found out that that Ronald didn't understand, or failed, maybe I failed to fully explain. I feel like
1: I misread it. The the, the
0: concept, but the concept for this episode was, in light of a movie that that we liked, Edge of Tomorrow, Mm. not doing great at the box office, and a movie that at least I am not excited about. uh transformers whatever what's the after the it's
1: literally bop
0: the age of extinction <laughs> it's <laughs> it's <not> bop. Bop. <laughs> uh, made like 300 million in in four or five days or something ridiculous like sure. that so i was just saying isn't it interesting and it, the transformers connection is is apropos because to call this episode underperformers mm-hmm. more than meets the eye yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, the coolest sound we all want to make with our mouths, but none of us can. You it can't never go, comes out. Hey, oh, hey, oh, hey. Like, yeah. there's so many different ways to try it. Hey, oh, but everyone <laughs> hey, can just, <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, you need one person going, <laughs> while another person goes, hey, oh, hey, oh, <laughs> hey, oh, ha, ha. you want to try it? Yeah. Okay, one, two, three. No. At any rate. Well, I actually thought that we did a pretty good job at that job. Yes. On the uh, spot. I just want to be on record <laughs> saying that. Underperformers, more than meets the eye, Ronald. The idea being movies that are set to be big tentpole releases or just big... There's hype around them. There's a lot of money put into them. And then they end up uh, failing at the box office. But what we're doing is choosing our sort of favorites amongst those, right? Right. That's what you understood, right. you correct, Steve? That's I, what, I understood that. Yes, that's what I understood. Yeah. It As out. you I was suggested, suggested. It yeah. Yeah. so that's good. So we found out that Ronald uh, instead chose yeah. people instead of movies, and that are under, <laughs> that are under <laughs> people <laughs> that he had a lot of hope in and just failed him yeah. in general.
1: Funny enough, one of them was Mark Wahlberg. Uh,
0: <laughs> well, no, you can. I think. St- well, you want to start it off with Mark Wahlberg? Okay,
1: so Mark Wahlberg. So you,
0: <laughs> Ronald will be naming people. <laughs> <you, laughs> we'll be naming movies. <laughs> it's good. It's good. <laughs> So when you name Mark Wahlberg, are you including every film he's Maybe ever you made? Maybe you could mention a movie or two, but like who? Like what is it about him that makes you think of him as an underperformer?
1: Man, I think that he—he's <laughs> talented, but let's be honest. I think that he scares us a little bit. He's handsome. He scares people a little bit, and it's like he bullies you into being kind of liking him. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? He's like the rugged kid that would fuck you up like he's he's,
2: he's from Boston
1: he's from Boston apartments Boston uh, Tiger
2: by the market <laughs> when there's
1: something about seeing a person like him on screen you're like oh man this is good but then you see his performance in, in say like the uh, my Shyamalan movie that happened yeah. in, in I knew this exactly where you were going. fucking his acting was so underwhelming that you just kind of get
2: uh, you but know you, what but the key is you expected a lot from him yeah wow from him what, what what set him up with the high
0: expectations? <laughs> <laughs> he does what's have him? incredible
2: abs. Is that I I,
0: I love him in uh, I Heart Huckabees, me and, too. and that has earned a lot of goodwill from me. Out of as as far as just appreciating him when he pops up in a movie like the other guys or something, where you might wonder what's Mark Wahlberg, or you know mm-hmm. if you don't if you haven't followed his career, you might say what's Marky Mark. Underwear model doing acting opposite Will Ferrell in a buddy comedy. Yeah. You know, if you've seen him in enough movies, you know he does. There is something he taps into that is that is that is really enjoyable and that can be kind of. There's a humor almost in in how Mark Wahlberg he can be. But you're right. I I don't know that his. I think if you were to average it out, yeah, he there's there's not a lot of great movies uh, on that list.
1: So because I've named him, I'm gonna name I'm gonna name that mo- the movie that he just did. He just did. It was pumped up.
2: It was, uh, okay,
1: so you see this trailer, you're like, oh man, Mark Wahlberg, Middle East, fucking people. Was
2: it, was it was the trailer narrated by uh, Keith David? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm, in, I'm in for that movie. What movie are we talking about? Lone Survivor. <laughs> okay. Oh,
1: I think that that movie was poised from the commercials to be a huge thing that, I mean, the people were expecting it to do really well, and... And war and war is a big thing. Like I think that like the Call of Duty sort of phenomenon, it looks like Call of Duty, it kind of feels like Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. I think they tried to ride that wave and the fact that it was based on a true story and it just didn't do well. It didn't do as well as I think yeah people expected it to. So How did
0: that do? What's that? Uh Lone Survivor. It was a huge hit, actually. It was a
1: huge hit? Yeah. Like, <laughs> lone yeah. Really? Yeah. I thought that, I didn't hear anything about it. I think normally you hear about it, I, this is horribly <laughs> wrong.
2: <laughs> we, all, we all know you keep your ear to the right. Are all. you serious that they, well? Lone Survivor?
1: Hold on, please look at
2: the. It made like 130 million, 120 something domestic.
1: Dom- just domestic? Yes. Holy fuck, normally that's like worldwide. No, no. Holy shit. Oh,
2: well, it's all domestic cause it's America. Oh, uh, you know, yeah. It's got America in it, so. God damn it! But it was only made for forty million. It made one hundred twenty-five million domestic. So I would say that's an actual overperformer.
1: Overperformer. But
2: maybe he underperformed in it. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know, man.
1: Mark Mark Wahlberg is good in some things, and just I don't know, man. I can't fuck it because he was great in Boogie Nights. Yeah. Agreed. So Bowles everybody in. out there
0: listening, find a movie that Mark Wahlberg did that didn't make its budget back yeah. and then just in, in, in Max mentally, mentally stick it Max on the list. Max Payne. Yeah. Max Payne. What about The Happening? That probably didn't make its budget back.
1: Mm. I would bet.
2: It might have only because he usually gets that big weekend, that weekend burst.
0: I love how this is the first time we've had to have fact checkers like on the on list. lockdown. It did make its budget. Mark it Wahlberg was in 64 in over 48. So yeah. Who?
1: Mark Wahlberg wasn't in Prisoners. Did he produce it or something? No, I said that the filmography is known for Prisoners. That's not. That's not true.
2: No, I don't think
1: so. <laughs> I don't see it. Maybe man. there's
0: another movie called Prisoners. Yeah, yeah. So, Steve, what was your criteria? Like when, when so, you when you based it on this performance? Did you look at? Because I usually I look to make sure it didn't make its budget back. All the movies that I chose did not make their budget back. Like, yes. Well, actually, one did, but barely. in a movie that probably still lost a lot of money for for a lot of people. So. Yeah, but I that mean, was something, I, like, if I found that a movie did b- better than I thought it did, I was like, oh, that, w- that was a movie that is like a cult classic, and therefore I thought it underperformed, but in some cases it did not. Like, there was one movie that I thought was going to be on my list, which was Darkman. But mm-hmm. Darkman actually was a reasonable success uh, for its time. Weird. And it made like $48 yeah. million on wow. a $16 million budget. So that's pretty good for 91 or 92 or whenever yeah. that came out. But No,
2: I think my criteria was very similar. I think it was there's a piece of box office. 1990, by the way. There's a piece of box office that I always look at for commercial success, but then also um, I try not to weigh too much against like my expectation for the film itself. You know what I mean? Because like, a lot of these movies that I have on this list are movies that I I loved or yeah. I really really enjoy, but are films that either I saw with people and, and they hated it, mm-hmm. or and or you know just didn't it didn't make a lot of money at the box office, didn't catch on. Um, a few of them actually caught on at, at home. You know. Caught, you know, cult classics or whatever you want to call them. Uh, DVD sales. Uh, the, the first one that I have actually is a movie that still was able to benefit from DVD profits. This is a movie that came out uh, when I was a junior or senior in high school. And uh, starred at the time two of my favorite actors. Made by one of my favorite directors. Who had prior a few years directed one of my favorite movies. So a lot of things added up to this movie being something that I was truly looking forward to. Marketing for it was interesting because... It was kind of promoted as like the the, the anti-date movie. Okay. Um, I I a noticed. lot of really a lot of really heavy action, um, but they kind of left out a lot of the rest of the film, and and I guess intentionally. Once you see it, you know why. But it's a hard movie to market. But based on its star quality, I thought that it was going to be bigger, and I think that the studio, I think that Fox thought it was going to be bigger. Uh, and the movie I'm talking about is Fight Club, Ooh. and uh, Brad Pitt, Edward Norton, uh, David Fincher had just years prior uh well brad pitt and fitcher had years prior did seven um edward norton who was just the year prior amazing in america history x um and years before that in primal fear a guy that i knew you know he's going to be a big star but this was a movie that you thought might be that movie that either launched him into the stratosphere mm-hmm. um it is kind of a, it's it's a weird movie though you know what i mean it came out and it is really an anti-date movie it's geared much heavily towards men and fox put all the money in that marketing towards men uh, fighting scenes action scenes very stylized very sexy and it is all those things and it's one of my favorite movies ever um, a movie that warrants repeat viewing uh, repeat viewings many times uh, a movie that only made uh, the number I have is 37 million stateside on a budget that was 63 million so a huge failure mm. a huge loss but between 99 and now the movie's made over 100. 150 million dollars in dvd sales so it made its budgets back but in theaters, it's a movie that underperformed grossly especially because i was in that stage where i could drive all my buddies we all went to the movies to see it and a lot of them came out of that movie not liking it and especially some of the girls that one of those hated it and you know so there's a social underwhelming feeling and then also you know to kind of see that it did not catch on Uh, at the box office was a bummer, too. I wasn't familiar with the source material before seeing it, so I never really had heard of the book Mm -hmm. that is based on, or wasn't at least familiar with it.
0: Um, But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's also a really fucking weird movie. It's hard to remember that that one... That's one of those where it's hard to remember that it wasn't a huge success... In theaters, yes. Like yeah. I don't know if it if Anchorman was the other one that I found that out about recently, where it's like it was considered a flop in the yeah. theater, and then it had this huge Surge, yeah. life. I mean, in Fight Club and Anchorman might be movies that you kind of would mention in the same breath, and only in the sense that they are now there's a like a huge audience that adores them, yeah. and it really is surprising to think Fight Club wasn't a smash you know what i mean it seems like in terms of cultural impact in terms of references and everything that it's it's like i'll guarantee whatever won that weekend that it came out it probably is not uh i mean I'd watch it be like <laughs> you know some huge film well, but i'm just saying it actually won the weekend it, it, it actually won the weekend but it's it, it was like a movie that dropped like super high like so you think it was brad ex- pitt got people into the got people into the theater got all the all the girls that like Brad Pitt to go see a movie that they did not want to see. Yeah, mm. and so their word of mouth was, "This is horrible," and I hate it. Absolutely, and it just nose dives after week one.
2: And uh, yeah, I mean, but it's, I mean, it, then there just, would be those, those people things, that would be drawn like,
0: to it for whatever reason that would also men and women that would, uh, you know, what I mean. I do think word of mouth that was really strong about Fight Club started pretty much immediately too. But that's I know that's interesting. That's a really good definition of like a cult film because it's it a cult yeah. film will feel like it was huge, just because of how much you know yeah. about it. But when you look back and see that it was, you know... And it holds... I, I don't, I'd don't. i have to look and see how many have that distinction of being
2: a film that opened at number one, mm-hmm. but it's still a massive box office failure, but becomes a huge hit yeah. later on. And also, it's really interesting to think about that movie in terms of how we see movies that come out today that are like that. Yeah. The distribution channels that we live in today with, with film and cinema are so different and so much more catered to a movie like this. Yeah. Now, if that movie came out now, that kind of movie came out now, there's plenty of other ways in an opening weekend scenario, day and date releases, video on demand where the movie would be like that would be much like much more successful, yeah. I think. And um, I think it's
1: I think also, I mean Netflix again. I think yeah, I think I mean. that what Netflix is doing is it's training American audiences to be open to different genres of movies,
0: sure. like, I feel well, like that's what people to not, were not view it as a huge risk to try yeah, something it's not out. A risk. and that's then a... and
1: then once you have that grasp, of, okay, what what does an indie movie look like? What is a, a, a this is like a genre bending sort of movie? Like but, people, but Fight like, Club
0: was such a high production value yeah, film that it's like it's, you know, it to me it felt like a major film when yeah, I saw it.
1: You know? Fight Club is a is a genre bending. It's it's a lot of things in one sort of package, and people are simple, man. They just want one sort of thing. And to have a movie like this kind of come to DVD and whatever, it kind of, you know, and people are sitting with it and people get to see stuff like that on Netflix now. It's training audiences to be okay with, okay, the ending might not be good, okay? The ending might not be happy. Yeah, that's a good distinction. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. This might not be the, the twist that you expect from a movie this might be a little sadder than you might be expecting towards the end this might be and that's a different concept man i feel like that there was a point where i felt like every movie i saw even if it was like a serious movie felt like it was very like poppy and to be like this is all in your head is mm-hmm. a heavy thing for people to be like oh i watched all this for no reason no that's not what it is you watched a movie that is in someone's head. it's whatever it was yeah. was psychological. It was a psychological thriller in some ways. Yeah. So I don't know. I get sort of frustrated listening to people process movies because they aren't this, They aren't these endings that they expect. They aren't mm-hmm. the storyline that people are expecting.
0: I know what you mean. It's like when people are mad at something not being the thing that it wasn't. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, and I'm not even is. saying that out of love for Fight yeah. Club or anything. I just mean when, when people criticize a movie and what they're really saying, because I think we do that sometimes and we catch ourselves where we catch ourselves and realize, oh, I'm talking about the movie that, that I made in my head that yeah. this movie wasn't. You try not to do that. But right. some people, it does seem like they just they're not interested in seeing something that that falls outside that narrow yeah. margin and it's like if it if it fails to deliver certain things it's a bad movie yeah. it's a dumb movie you know what i mean Have you ever heard that person stand up at the end of a movie that you thought was complex and and person says well that's the dumbest piece of shit i ever saw or something and you're <laughs> like how can a person who sounds so dumb think that a movie that i was challenged by yeah. is dumb they must just not have you how know how could you
1: be so fooled right. i feel like people people like it's like a it's like a trap it's like you put your hand in this Thing like oh I've been tricked again, but every
0: time it's the old I'm trick like, trap. Old we all movies. know the old the old hand in the trick trap. God product. damn it, man! It's like... You know when you said that, I pictured the thing in Flash Gordon that you know the thing you have to, they have to put their hand down yeah. in and they, like you know, the creature might bite them. What? Oh, sorry, but no, sorry. it's interesting. Fight Club. I, I mean, I, that it is interesting when you start looking at the movies that didn't do as well as they were supposed to do or as as high as people had hoped. There's a lot of really. Uh, huge films that that fit that bill. There's some smaller ones that just sank without a trace but most of the times, for there to be any expectation at all a movie has to have some, some reason behind it yeah. that you would expect something. And um, my first choice is such a film. Um, this was a movie that in 1999 dollars cost anywhere from 50 to 70 million. It's inconclusive but it made uh, just a little over 30 million into the box office so not a success, but it was noteworthy for a lot of reasons. One of them is that it was the first film directed by Brad Bird. Bastard. It's <laughs> on my
2: list too. Oh, it is.
0: Um, I'm talking about The Iron Giant, which is just another one that I think if you ask anyone who's seen this film, they will talk about it like it's a classic film. It's we a, have before on this yes, podcast. Yes, it's a beloved film, you know, and it is magical, I would say. It's one of the last, I can't say this because there have been a few really good um, hand-drawn animation movies since then but at the time it was one of the last like in the pixar age it was it was sort of a throwback you know Mm -hmm. it's like as you're starting to see a lot of the the cgi films take over the animation kind of that top spot in terms of what's the big movie that everyone wants to see in the holiday season this was kind of nostalgic for an older style of animation i don't know if brad bird would ever go back to doing this uh but you know he's gone on to do uh, Ratatouille, The Incredibles, uh, Mission Impossible, awesome. Ghost Protocol, yep. um, and he's actually got a, a sci-fi film coming out now that I think is co-created by Damon Lindelof. For is that him that's doing that with Damon Lindelof? Uh, is that the with George Clooney? What movie are we talking about? I'm not sure, but I, th- I feel like Brad Bird's doing some. Anyway, my point being, Brad Bird has moved on to that. He's that guy who gets mentioned when they're when they're naming directors for like the Star Wars films that they're making now. He was a name that got bandied about. Oh. They, a lot of times when they when they talk about uh, you know directing like future like Marvel type films, they always he's one of those names that gets handed around because he can handle the big action and the big scale and produce in- right. it with heart. And this movie has got all of that. I mean, it's 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 got spectacle to it. It's got a little sci fi trappings. Um, but you know the character design is really just appealing. It's just it's really I, I like how handmade the this movie looks. I've heard some people act like that's something that you have to get past, but I think that the look of uh, the Iron Giant is just really charming, um, and it's definitely one that early in and you know now I'll let Henry watch just about <laughs> anything, which <laughs> may come back to bite me on the ass one day. But it was back in those days where I didn't know c- could he handle something that had a little bit of action, a little bit of drama, and he must have been. Three or so when he was you know he knew he knew what who hogarth was and he right. would talk about this movie and i do think the movie it it hits that i mean it's very similar maybe to et in very. the sense of the way that it's that of the story of a friendship between a boy who doesn't have a lot of friends and this other thing but in the story of hogarth the 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 child who kind of lacks a father figure i guess you might say um and he he finds a few in this story. Actually, there's this beatnik named Dean, I yeah. think, that Harry Connick Jr. does the voice for. And there's this uh, giant uh, iron machine from outer space, Out space or another country. Or where is he from? Is he a weapon? Is he an alien? I mean, we the movie's about discovering some of that, but it also is about the friendship between the boy and the and the iron giant. And it's it's very, yeah. I mean, it's hard not to talk about this movie and not think about like some of those scenes near the end where it's the classic sort of what kind of sacrifice is going to have to be made and is this friendship one that can can continue at all or is it one that has to end because of all these circumstances? And it's just like E.T. with the army coming in and messing things up and everything. So yeah, I would say anyone who hasn't seen this, if you've got kids... Uh, this is a great film to sit down and watch with your kids. And even if you don't, if you're an animation fan, I think it almost would be hard to go wrong with... Uh, yeah, Blue I mean,
2: Giant. I, I think that it's, it, it, it's made a few of my lists over the course of this podcast for various reasons, but it, it's definitely one of the best... My, again, this is a, a big statement, but I think it's one of the best animated films in the past 20 years. Mm-hmm. It's, in, it's in the conversation. For sure. Top 5, 10, something has to be said about this movie. Vin Diesel... You know, before he bought a New Vin Diesel, like he has one line in the film, but mm-hmm. it's what a what an amazing just characterization, the humanity in the one line he has from 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 a robot. It's it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And um, which he now has one line from a
0: talking tree that he repeats over and over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, how
2: he's how yeah. he's guarding the, the galaxy. Layers. August first. Um. But he's counting. Yeah, I don't know. I, I absolutely love the Iron Giant. Um. I don't. I don't know. I don't want to. Gush too much on it, <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad you picked it. I had it on my list as well. Um, a movie I don't understand why people haven't seen it. Uh, I think a movie that the again it comes it kind of I think the studio like never really knew what they had. You know what I mean? I don't think they knew who who they had in terms of Brad Bird and and what they had in terms of what could have been a classic movie. And in some ways, it is to a lot of people. And uh hopefully, it finds more eyes. But it, it's it's an incredible film. Absolutely. A baffling case of how the hell did people not see this great movie? Yeah. Yeah, good pick.
1: Um, so who who is your next pick? <laughs>
2: Let me guess Vin Diesel. Well, I'm actually going to do a movie. I'm actually going to do a movie. I got a movie. I was, was I actually know.
0: looking forward to the rest of the list. Then you, you know, I was hoping it would be people like, I don't know, who's an underperformer?
1: <clears throat> I was going to say Denzel Washington lately. But my pick, my movie pick is actually a movie that I really enjoyed and I didn't understand why it got... Shitted on the way that it did last year. Um, Lone Ranger.
0: Oh, yeah. Really? Lone Ranger, man.
1: Like, Lone Ranger was a solid film. I mean, considering considering all the things that are praised. I'm just saying. Like, Transformers. I would rather watch Lone Ranger than Transformers.
0: I have... It was a fun movie. I am, like, a, a lot more likely to... Watch Lone Ranger at this point than I would be to watch the trend. Trans- yeah. You know, even even having heard that it was bad, I still heard that Lone Ranger had some good action. Yeah, in it. I mean
1: for what for what it was.
0: I mean it's it's
1: it's fluff. It's you know, but it was a solid movie. I did not dislike it. I was watching it and I was wondering why do people hate this movie as much <laughs> as it keeps saying. And I think it's groupthink. I think that you get into a thing where like like the M Night Shyamalan thing, right? Like, I, I mean, sure, sure, some of his movies are absolutely shitty, right? But you talk to people on an individual basis about things, and they cannot articulate. I feel like you should be, if you hate something, if you hate, if you say, I hate him, yeah, you should be able to articulate why you hate him. If you dislike something, that's faint. That's like a uh, an instinctual, like, I don't feel comfortable about that. Mm-hmm. But if somebody hates something... Tell me why you hate M. Night Shyamalan movies. Because there's a twist at the end that I'm uncomfortable with. But you didn't know what it was about prior to that. Right. So that doesn't make you smarter because there's a twist at the end and it disappoints you. And the same thing goes for Lone Ranger. I think that there's something about this whole idea that you attach yourself to an idea, you hear someone say it, and then you're like, oh man, I feel this I feel a similar way, maybe. But because I want to I want to be cool and like everybody else, I want to shit on this movie. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that bad of a movie. There are way worse movies. It didn't it didn't, make, it didn't make as much as it costs. It was like something like 50 million off or something like that. And it was it, it, any time I feel like the, if this movie would have come out a couple years prior, it would have done really well in the height of like
0: uh
1: what's his face
0: um Tonto. Yeah, it has just made back its budget, but for a movie that costs as much as that, yeah, it should have been doubled. That, like we all know, they, there's the other, like there's the other, like if a movie costs two hundred million, there's the other two hundred million in marketing usually.
1: Right. <laughs> so um, think about this, okay. so yeah
0: Because just so you know, Ronald, it was it was possibly budgeted as high as two hundred fifty million, right. and it made two hundred sixty million in box office so yeah definitely they were planning on making back more than their investment in this film so
1: do you think about Wild Wild West same sort of genre sort of movie that movie was fucking awful like Mm -hmm. almost unwatchable are you trying to tell me that like Wild Wild West is the same as Lone Ranger or vice versa. Low I'm not, just, not
0: sure what you're doing with this comparison because. No, saying like, I'm saying like I'm saying like that was a flop.
1: flop. That was an absolute. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like I'm just saying like what 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 do we calling a terrible Western movie? Right? Is that terrible? Is that terrible in comparison to that movie? I'm just saying I've seen way worse movies. I don't understand why it didn't do well, but it may have been competing with a. It competed with a bunch of really good movies during that time. So, but I just don't understand how it didn't work, and it's not that bad of a movie. So.
0: I think a lot of people. I think there's a lot of Johnny Depp kind of potential burnout at this point. With yeah. him doing like a wacky oh, character. I think him playing an Indian or a Native American, I should say, him playing a Native it's a bit American. Offensive. Right. Uh, um, and, just get an
1: Indian person. And, and, and I'm sorry, just get a Native American. I'm so oh, shit. Yeah. Just get a Native American.
0: But the the other part of it is, I think a lot of people didn't feel that the take on the character, like that. Doing a Lone Ranger movie, but which by all accounts is really more of a Tonto movie. Yeah. And that the Lone Ranger was kind of a dummy or something. I feel like a lot of people just didn't like the take of, on the character. But the other thing was, I remember when just the trailers for that movie came out, we were joking about who, in the theater, like, you know when a movie finally throws up the name of what it is, like a trailer? Yeah. And it, the whole thing is built around, ah, that's what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. No, there was no, like electricity in the room around the notion of the Lone Ranger.
1: Yeah, it could have been called anything.
0: Well, yeah. I'm just saying, I feel like it's weird when they take a property like that. It's It's got name brand recognition, but I don't think anybody who remembers the old Lone Ranger was excited to see this version. No. I don't think yeah, kids yeah, are aware of the Lone Ranger except for this version. So it's kind of a weird, yeah, kind of a weird it's right. name recognition to trade in I didn't on. know anything about it, but the action looked cool enough for me yeah. to be like, oh, okay. Well, Gord Verbinski does really well with like... Uh, like elaborate action sequences so yeah. I could see it having that that level of enjoyment to it but I
1: enjoyed
0: it yeah. I can't remember who else it was that said they liked it maybe it was our our mutual friend uh, Jason Conti who, who liked it but somebody somebody who I I trust said they, they yeah I
1: really liked it and you didn't
0: I didn't hate it I mean, I, I... Didn't yeah, know, I didn't like, think a, yeah, I can see think what you're saying. I it was Ronald's the
1: best movie, but I,
2: it did not bother me as much as I thought it would. <laughs> it's a I also went in thinking it would. So yeah. I mean, maybe I set myself down. It's also a beautiful movie. It yeah, is. It looks good, and the train thing, the train sequence at the end, I thought was really good. Oh yeah. The yeah. Chase finale thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just not for me. Uh, my next pick. So something I'm trying to do with these lists now that I know that you took Giant, I'm gonna try to throw some movies out there for a list that I haven't really talked about before. Cause I got some of those. Okay, good. Uh, again, a movie that <clears throat> uh, this this might be the the one of the ones that I can maybe see why it didn't catch on. Um, little ahead of its time for its star to get back into the mainstream, but if, you know a few years later he'd be like one of the biggest names in cinema again. Uh, this is a movie that came out in two thousand five, uh, written and directed by Shane Black. Uh, starring Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer and Michelle Moynihan. Mm. Uh, this movie called Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Uh, incredible m- film. A murder mystery, Love it. crime the wire film. Mm-hmm. Uh, super witty, super great dialogue. Robert Downey Jr. is incredible in it. Actually, everybody's really great in this movie. And a reminder of why Robert Downey Jr. was big to begin with when you know he had his first peak. You mm-hmm. know? A few years later, he he'd hit the screen again as Iron Man, and, and this past year, he worked with Shane Black again on Iron Man 3. But Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, extremely entertaining, um, just a really original idea. Um, they tap into a lot of things that the genre hadn't seen in a long time, mm-hmm. like from old film, like you know 50s, 60s noir, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of... Uh, a lot of the pulp magazines that even inspire a movie like that. And, like, Shane
0: Black, too. It was kind of a comeback for him. Sure. It was kind of a comeback for Robert Downey Jr. So, it's like it had this great, like, these guys are... Someone gave these guys the keys to Hollywood again and exactly. let them play. You exactly. Know?
2: Here's here's round two. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and actually at the time that this came out, I was actually working at, you know, the studio job that I had before where I was doing marketing and there was, there was a pretty decent push for this movie. And, and seeing the trailers are really what sold me on it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the word of mouth was great. Critics loved it. Movie comes out. And the movie is only made for $15 million with a star that's on the rise like that and hoping to kind of become a star again. And at that time was already working. I, I believe he was already working on Iron Man. Um, so there was a lot of buzz for that already. But I think, uh, I'm just trying to verify that now that I said that. Um, yeah, Iron Man would only come out, like, two or three years later, mm-hmm. it just didn't connect, you know, like, people didn't weren't aware of it. What I, did it make in the box office? Uh, domestically, it only made $4 million. Oh ah, shit. It, it oh. barely made its money back worldwide. It did better in yeah. every other country besides the U.S. It made $11 million worldwide. It made its budget back d- worldwide.
0: Wow. Craziness.
2: Uh, you would think, well, yeah. Another movie that goes on and becomes a cult hit. People, a lot of people love the film. It's found an audience on home video. Coming out in the mid-2000s, you know, four or five years later, Digital was taking over. It's not as big of a hit as, say, something like Fight Club became on video. Yeah. Um, a lot of the movies that are on my list that came out post-2000 are kind of victims of that in a way. But, um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, if you haven't seen it, check it out. If you love Robert Downey Jr., here's a real reminder why you love him in case you forgot since you yeah. saw the last movie he was in. And now he's one of the most bankable stars in Hollywood in some ways. And... Uh, even Val Kilmer is great in it. Uh,
0: Bridget, Moynihan. Bridget Moynihan? Bridget Moynihan? Michelle. Michelle Moynihan. Michelle Moynihan. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Michelle um, Moynihan, who, who recently, a lot of people might remember, because she was really good on uh, True Detective. Detective, yep. But she was great in this. Um, no, I, I I didn't know this movie was such a flop. I really yeah. had no idea. Like, I, I mean, because I feel like when I discovered it, I had read about it, and I don't know that I noticed when it hit theaters at all. Yeah. And so my discovery of it was, oh, it's out on video finally. Maybe they got it out quick or something. Because I felt like I read reviews and saw it pretty quickly. Right. But I know I was excited to see it because I had heard about the all the buzz about the script being great and Shane Black being kind of back and in fine form. And I'd always we've talked about him before, but like the movies he wrote in the in the eighties, you know, were very just seminal scripts that I remember thinking were funny and, and it was great to see him kind of taking that eighties almost a little bit of the '80s approach to action movies because it has that buddy movie yeah, thing the, the between 11, uh, uh... between Robert Downey Jr.'s character and uh, Gay Perry, the <laughs> the gay private detective played by Val Kilmer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just got funny lines in it. Gay Perry's a great character. Their interplay is great. Yeah, I I, I mean I'm almost sitting here. I'm almost having to uh, mend my heart to know that that movie. I thought I would have thought with that movie being so kind of low profile that it would have been like a sleeper hit rather than a. Rather than a flop, but I guess I guess but you're they, right. At the time, I mean, but if that movie came out now, it would have so much more bankability just because of Robert Downey Jr. Sure. Whereas part of the fun of seeing that at the time was he's back. Yes. You know. And over the coming years, I mean, I'm looking at his filmography now, saying that Iron Man came out
2: two or three years later, and it's really interesting what was happening at that time. It's almost like he was trying to find that step in, and like yeah. when this movie, like he was in, he like he was in a. A bunch of indie films, Good Night and Good Luck, Guide to Recognizing Your saying Scanner Darkly. Zodiac. Zodiac. He was in The Shaggy Dog,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
2: <laughs> which is, uh, I don't know, that's interesting. That's uh, Tim Allen, the, the, the yeah. Disney reboot. Um, just just trying to find that awareness for that, 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 I don't know. Hey, like you're saying, hey, I'm back, but this is one of the first ones where people took notice, but not enough, you know, not enough. Critics loved it. People never saw it. And uh, thankfully people have found it on home video and, and you know, things like Netflix and digital video, but uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, a killer movie. It's really good. Great film. Yeah. Have you ever seen it?
1: Yeah. I and don't it's really remember been kind of meta. It, I mean, I, even I the narration, well it's got that, that. kind of nowhere. It's about
0: it's about uh, making movies without being one of those movies that's about that in a very predictable yes, way. But yeah. it's definitely about the kind of illusions of, of Hollywood and Yeah.
1: I'd, um, I'd have to rewatch it. I, I remember liking it at the time, but it's that was the time when I was watching movies at a pretty ridiculous rate, and it may have been knocked out. Fell too. through. Yeah, like, fell through. The Check press.
2: it out, man. It's, it's great. It's really
0: great. Okay.
1: Um
2: we got now, John?
0: Well, my choice... Um, how many are you guys doing, by the way? There's three. There's three? Yeah. There's three? Um, I guess I will...
1: Is that your third?
0: Second. I Second. will go with one that is kind of like you choosing Lone Ranger. I'm not coming out... Guns blazing, saying I love this film. Mm-hmm. But I really liked this film, and I was able to hang in there with this film. And it was another one where it made back a little bit more than its budget, but it 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 still is doing poorly for this film in that mm-hmm. zone. And that would be John Carter from yeah. 2012. Ah. A movie that cost... Uh, around 250 million and made back 284 million worldwide. But this is exactly, I mean, this movie was, if anyone ever was, positioned to be, you know, they wanted to make twice that. It, worldwide, you would expect a movie like this to make a billion. I mean, normally this type of movie would make a billion. What we discovered watching this film, though, was, I mean, I think we talked about it shortly after I joined the podcast. We it had just come out and we talked about it. And I was just saying that I really do think the marketing hurt this movie. Mm. I don't think it would have been the huge smash they needed it to be. I have two... I, so I think the bigger concern is that they spent $250 million on this movie when they maybe should have made it for $100 million less or something and yeah. made a scrappier film. But knowing that it was such a labor of love um, for the director, Andrew Stanton, who, who had directed... Uh, I believe he directed a couple of Pixar films before this. Bonnie Nemo and Wally. It, yeah. Very wow. big deal that he was doing live action and a Pixar director coming to work on a tentpole action movie like this is actually a very heartening thing because pixar is so good at story and so i was very optimistic this movie was going to have a really clean storyline and really really clear goals for the character and it does in many ways do that i do think it gets a little long i do think i mean i can see where the problems are i can see that the kind of pulpy fun aspect of it it wasn't really something that was ever going to connect with today's audiences mm-hmm. but i do think with different marketing if they had leaned into the pulp aspects, instead of calling it John Carter, which is really bland, base it on one of the actual titles of the books that they were basing it on, which, you know, it's a hundred-year-old series of of sci-fi, that, you know, there's like John Carter and the Ghosts of Mars, John Carter and the Princess of Mars. Any of those titles would would clue you in to the movie a little bit more. But John uh, Carter just sounds boring. I mean, I think as everyone has commented, you know, you might as well call it like Bill Stevens, you know, it's just a boring name. Um... Also, I think there's a weird Taylor Kitsch thing that just didn't happen. Like, everyone wanted it to happen for Taylor Kitsch, and it just, didn't. it just didn't click. That doesn't mean he's not a fine actor. It doesn't mean he can't be in something. But for whatever reason... I mean, and I will be honest, when I saw this movie, I thought if it had had a more charismatic lead... I mean, someone like Mark Wahlberg, who can really carry a movie... No, but I mean, if it had... I'll hit, up. They shared <laughs> the screen in Lone Survivor.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. But
0: I mean, if you had taken... I mean, nothing against really even Taylor Kitsch, but I think that if this movie had had uh, an actor that we had more of an association with, Mm -hmm. because this this role is written to be one of those kind of grizzled, almost witty, kind of slightly comedic heroic characters, and Taylor Kitsch just doesn't convey all those levels. Mm. Um, But there was still, I mean, there's one sequence near the beginning of this film that I remember when I was watching with the audience that, I mean, the audiences were so totally into the vibe of this, do you remember the sequence I'm talking about, Steve, where it's like it's going through a story being told and yep. he keeps getting, he keeps like escaping, essentially. Yep. That opening part is great. I And even though the movie gets, gets I see people ding it for <clears throat> the fact that it has like a nesting narrative where you have a story and then there's a story within a story and a story within a story. I mm-hmm. thought this movie handled all that stuff in a way that could have been really good. It mm. just, it was a little too much. They really shouldn't have spent $250 million on it. They really should have marketed it as kind of a scrappy throwback pulpy retro movie instead of hoping that it was going to be the next big thing oh. and maybe they needed a more charismatic or or just as an actor that has more grit to him than taylor kitch yeah. so i think this movie is kind of sunk by all those things but i still see it as one that when i you know if i turn on uh uh cable and there it is I will watch a few minutes if not the rest of this movie. So, yeah. you know, I I I think it's it's John Carter. I wanted to include a movie on this list that is like a definite missed opportunity mm. that still works for me in a lot of ways, and sure. John Carter would be would be that film.
1: Um My Pick uh came out in two thousand thirteen. I it it was officially released four days before my birthday. And it was a scrappy movie, small indie coming of age story, amazing soundtrack start to finish and it just didn't do well in the box office. I think it it cost one point three million to make. It made one point five maybe, so it just broke even. Uh Kings of Summer. What the fuck? like I feel like that was one of those movies I thought was it was just gonna I, I the weird part is I saw it in so many theaters. So I'd see, you know, all the big yeah movies and then at the bottom i see kings of summer i'm like man that's maybe people will go see it maybe people will go see it and then you know turns out that that didn't happen yeah just didn't do as well as i thought bunch of like pretty relatively unknown actors um and i think that's that's that normally works like that whole formula i thought it was gonna be like um what is the one with mclovin for fart super bad super bad like kind of the same thing like it wasn't crude humor in the same way but i thought that very pretty unknown kids uh you know funny circumstances coming of age i thought it was gonna work and it, it didn't it should have done a lot better than it did at least 10 million
0: so. <laughs> i'm surprised that i mean i'm usually surprised at that and, and, and i know you i think you even are more aware of these things than, than i am usually steve as far as like box office you seem to track that stuff a little bit more but do you are you ever just shocked at what an, a movie will actually make you know what i mean like a movie that almost seems like a lot of these movies are being made as write offs or something so these yes, movies that don't it's, cost it's, it's. that much but i mean my impression is with a movie like Kings of Summer that's being purchased probably by a, by a distributor or i mean I, making 1.5 on 1.3 million is in an indie film is that is that considered like more successful than you know what I mean like making back your budget for an indie is that is that number still so small that it's a flop or is it that you're lucky to get your money back that you put into an indie film like that do you know what I mean like um well a lot
2: of those indie films like that kind of film which is it is kind of an interesting take because they I think they did think they had a hit yeah and they screened the hell out of that movie there's a ton of advanced screenings and Um, just with
0: the cast and the material you would think it could catch on with audiences yeah um so that movie
2: is a failure yeah it is a flop so okay I think what they what they get a film like that for they they acquire that at like at a festival, mm-hmm. but I mean that movie's made by a filmmaker who has raised money from production companies whatever it might be, but a studio like this that kind of movie when they're releasing it they're looking to make, with a budget that small, ten to fifteen times that at the box office right but where they make a lot more money is the the digital the digital releases now a lot of those indie studios like this one was I think CBS Films they have a lot of access to the digital distribution. So, like, they're the video-on-demand outlets, that's where people will find this movie more mm. than box offices, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And unless it's got a bigger name in it, um, or a bigger director, or something attached to it that's already got a built-in audience, it's really hard to cross a lot of these movies over. There was another yeah. film that year, Spectacular Now, which, I, you know, I really liked. Um, I also did not find an audience. Another coming-of-age movie. Different kind of, you know, tone. But um, also pretty much a failure. But... Uh, it's interesting because you know these movies make so little, but they're made for so little. So where do the where do you say they fail? Yeah. But yeah. a studio like that that's getting that movie f- you know at a, at a festival, um, their goal was ten to fifteen percent. And to of course, times, obviously, if,
0: if if they're spending you know whatever they bought it for, whatever they marketed it for, all that stuff. I mean, I'm sure they took a bath on Kings of Summer if it actually only made back what you say one point five.
1: Yeah, it was like one point five or something like that. I didn't yeah.
0: Know. but do you know what I'm saying I'm just surprised to hear a movie made that little when I know it was playing at the Art house theater here for a while and it seemed to have word of mouth and it seemed to have an awareness and several people seemed to mention it it's like when you find out that such a small number of people watch a television show that you hear a lot about and you realize that there can be a distortion effect if you're aware of these things you know everybody who's all the critics will be talking about something but if it's only critics that are talking about it you might have something that's really well regarded but that is still not seen by Anybody? Totally. It's like Mad
1: Men in the beginning.
0: Yeah, well, Mad like Men right even now the, the ratings are nothing compared to, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, something definitely. like Walking Dead. But um, no, that's just interesting to me because if you're, you know, Kings of Summer, I would imagine a movie that with that with that kind of recognizable actors in it that was be that cheap would mm-hmm. be guaranteed to make its money back. But
1: it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Man.
2: Let's see, my last pick. Um, I'm a little torn. Got to say, I'm a little torn. I'm going with a classic. Um, or am I gonna go with a modern classic?
0: Do You have a classic modern.
2: Classic modern, postmodern classic. Yes. Yeah. Modern. A pomo. A pomo. A pomo hi-fi. A pomo hi-fi class. Um, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna. Only because it, it it. As an adult, I can see why it didn't work, but ten years ago, I didn't really get it. But this is a movie that came out when I was very young and I saw it pretty young and it did not affect me in the weird ways that I can see that it now might affect kids. This is a movie that came out in 1986. Oh, boy. Uh, That's what I think it is. This is a movie... I don't know. This is a movie starring uh, Jennifer Connelly and uh, Sir <laughs> David Bowie. Uh, this is a movie called Labyrinth. Um, a classic film of my childhood, teenagers. I don't know yeah. how many times I've seen this film. In 1986... I may not have seen it that year, but very shortly after, I don't know that there was a bigger name in, like, child entertainment than Jim Henson. Mm -hmm. And being a movie that Jim Henson directed, never really having huge success in feature film directing duties, like Dark Crystal was a pretty big failure, Um, this would end up being the last movie he directed because of how big of a failure it was. Um, having somebody like David Bowie attached, Mm -hmm. being able to later on appreciate the music of the film, you know, how that did not find an audience, even an auxiliary audience for just David Bowie, you know, for how huge he was at the time, um, the puppets, the Muppets, everything. I mean, everything was just so amazing to me as a, as a kid, as a teenager and still to this day. Mm -hmm. Now the thing, the caveat I'll say is that I can see why it's fucking weird and it's, and it's, it's odd and it's scary at times and it's creepy at times. So maybe that's why, but I got to say, you know, if I was, if I was involved with the studio, if I was a, if I was a suit back in the late 80s, (laughs) making a movie with David Bowie and Jim Henson
0: and Jennifer Connelly, who would be breaking shortly as a star. And David Bowie not only is in the movie, but has a single, like a lead single that's going to get video on MTV. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like the the music of it is a part of the film itself. And I mean, it's it's a whole. It's not quite a musical, but it kind of is.
2: Sort of. yeah. 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 You're right. It is. It's it's a it's it's creepily adorable. Mm-hmm. A lot of really fun characters. There's a lot of fart jokes in it. <laughs> I mean, what doesn't that do, you know? Right. Like to a kid. But uh yeah, Labyrinth 25 million dollar budget. Yikes. May 12. Um big hit. Like I said, Jim Henson was I remember reading this before, but I just looked it up to be sure. But um was such a was such a hard thing for him to cope with like he never directed another feature film. Yeah. He went back to TV, you know, budgets are smaller, he has more control,
0: things like that. Maybe I don't know. Well, I mean, did you see any of that stuff <laughs> that the Henson Television did like Storyteller and stuff like that? Like I think those the, the I mean, the reason I mentioned that is because it would be that approach they would do like fairy tale. They would do like a they take like a Russian folktale and they would tell the story and they would use puppets and they would yeah. have, you know, but those would sometimes have like creepy sure. witches or or monsters. And and I feel like there is something sort of the, the you know, we associate Henson with maybe that kind of innocent side of childhood. But I think that with Dark Crystal and Labyrinth, you can see that there was also an attempt to kind of lean into the kind of darker, more nightmare imagery. Uh, I, I don't know. I just, I, I, I guess what kind of what you're saying, I can see why Labyrinth. What Now looking back, it seems obvious why it wasn't a hit, yeah. but in your mind, in your heart, it feels like it's one of those, another one of those classics that people, that must have had enough of a push behind it to get audiences going in the beginning, but yeah, you're right, like, didn't really do much at the box office and only over the last few decades, I mean, it's gained a reputation as a, as a kind uh, of sure. a home video movie, but I still feel like there are people who who might mistake it for a certain type of kids' movie and might be surprised at, at like, where that movie goes. Or maybe people that just find puppets kind of creepy or some of that stuff. Like, I know people that can't watch Dark Crystal because they just find it kind of off-putting, you know? Yeah, it's
2: weird, though, because I'm, I'm trying to keep the perspective of when that movie came out, though. Mm-hmm. You know, the climate that it was inside of. You know? Right. And I think in that world in 1986... I mean, I don't know how that movie didn't make money. Yeah. You know, like, it, and it wasn't It was state-of-the-art really, for the time. Yeah, too. absolutely. And it wasn't, like, a crazy budget. I yeah. mean, money, you know, it's different back then, the number that I were throwing out, but... Um, and, you know, over time, it's made back that and some on, on video and whatnot, but, um, I don't know, Jim Hanson, David Bowie, uh, Muppets, Puppets, whatever. I mean, it just seemed... It seems logical to me, just thinking about looking at numbers and looking at, like, big disappointments... There's a studio saying, how did this fail so grossly? And how did this be the movie that basically said Jim Henson don't make movies anymore? Mm-hmm. It's crazy to even say right. that. It's, it's brutal. It's brutal. But, I mean, it's, it's one of my, you know, again, one of my all-time favorite uh, childhood, teenage, period, just movies. Like, I go back to the movie all the time and watch it. Yeah. They catch it catches on TV, always watch it. You know, and I love the music. I love the the story. Um And it's, it's, I don't know, just a classic movie in my mind that did not, (laughs) that did not catch on, unfortunately. Um, I don't know, it's It's, it's creepy as it is, I still found it extremely lovable. Yeah. Everything about it. I mean, even the motivations of, of, of Jennifer Connelly's character and just like (laughs) the world she goes through to get this baby back. Right.
0: It's kind of dire, but it's kind of, it's kind of fun to go. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm actually thinking that that might be one that Henry would have fun with, too. I can't, I'm sort of surprised I haven't watched it with him yet. We watch so many movies that aren't intended for kids that <laughs> I forget there actually <laughs> are good movies uh, that yeah, are This is one that intended. falls on those lists a lot. Yeah, you right. Know, like, don't let your kid watch it. Gets, this movie's pretty fucked up, but. Yeah. But, I don't know. It's scary, but in a way that's, like, not. I don't know. It, it's like anyone who's, like, creeped out by the stuff in that. Like, I do know people with kids that, like, they wouldn't let them watch say lord of the rings not because of the violence but because their kid would be freaked out by the orcs or whatever whereas henry just goes off and draws 100 Mm -hmm, orcs or whatever but um you know who knows one day we'll see let's you know i might be one day saying where did it all go wrong and you say (laughs) you showed him violent films when he was a child um well my final pick is one i almost didn't put on the list just because it is the prototypical uh flop film its name has become synonymous with uh, Over budgeted mm. films that do not return at the box office, but it is actually, despite its bloated budget, uh, uh, in many ways a very disarming comedy. And uh, some of the some of the most likable work I can think of by Warren Beatty and Dustin Hoffman is in the film uh, *Ishtar* from 1987, which is yes, we all know it's the it's the movie people mention. I mean, because, but wh- but but why? Why is it the punchline name? despite the fact that it's a memorable name ishtar um and it's it's got all the letters of shit in its title as well <laughs> um it's because it cost uh about 55 million which for a comedy uh, a throwback to like the hope crosby road movies was a big gamble and it made 14 million in the box office so it, it lost 40 million and that those are 1987 dollars you know and, a lot of and and also, the way the money got spent... Because that was my big curiosity was... Because in, in, uh, in college, I was curious about this film, so I watched it. Natural progression of events. Curious, Ronald? Watch it. Watched it. <laughs> Rented it in between. Should have mentioned that. And I was sort of surprised that it was... I mean, again, I, what I found myself doing watching it, going, okay, you don't see the money on the screen. You don't see, you know, at the time I thought it was 70 million. I think they've actually reported that number down. They've made it more accurate, and they say it's around 55. Still a lot, but you just, it just doesn't look like it should be the most expensive movie of its of its type. I mean, it's kind of a, it's it's a fun, silly comedy. The best material is the material that happens in New York between these two characters, uh, Lyle Rogers, played by Warren Beatty, and Chuck Clark, played by Justin Hoffman, who are down on their luck, very mediocre, um, I mean, you know, corny, uh, uh, well-meaning, but just uh, kind of too silly songwriters, mm-hmm. that you see them putting their act together and writing songs. You see how they meet. You see how they hit it off. You see them developing material together. You see them going into it like an open mic night to try to get representation. And then they get swept up in this... There's there's gunplay. There's there's all these twists and turns in the story. It just really kind of gets out of hand for the type of movie that it is. Mm. And I'd read somewhere that Dustin Hoffman was saying, this movie shouldn't leave New York early in this, you know, the negotiation stage. It's like, this movie should be about these two guys in New York trying to make it as musicians. Not getting... I mean, I guess what it is is that um, they get booked as lounge singers in a hotel in Morocco. That's what it is. Their agent finds them this kind of, not a very good gig, but they're basically the hotel band at this place in Morocco. And then they get caught up in the middle of all this intrigue. It really does kind of start to fall apart the more it gets into that plot line. But even within that, a lot of the money was spent just overshooting. Like Elaine May, the director, who was uh, a famous comedy writer, she had directed before this, but Warren Beatty loved working with her so much Um, And she had, I think, done a script polish on his film Reds. So they had a great relationship. And he was like, I want to get Elaine May. I want her to get to make a movie without any studio interference. And so that's what he basically told the studio was, blank check. You know, I I walk if she if she isn't happy kind of thing Right. and the studio wanted to make Warren Beatty happen he was a huge star at those days so it's like the reason the movie was afforded this long leash was because it was kind of a a favor in a way of Warren Beatty to this this writer director he wanted to help Hmm. and she's known for overshooting I mean the way that you'll hear I don't know if you heard stories about like Stanley Kubrick shooting Eyes Wide Shut that there was supposedly like 70 takes of Tom Cruise walking into a door or yeah. walking through a door. Like supposedly Elaine May shoots things that way. Like she would burn all this film. So a lot of the money went to just overshooting scenes knowing that it was going to be found in the editing room. But for a movie like this, like I think they said they assembled 108 hours of footage oh, for for editing, which for a comedy especially is unthinkable, especially Again, a movie whose best strengths might be the kind of l- the light character comedy between these two characters. So there yeah. was a lot working against it, mm. but on the other hand, you have Warren Beatty and Dustin Hoffman being funnier than they have been before and since, and you have Charles Grodin playing a, a, a memorable supporting role, and you have these songs written by um, who is it the wrote it? Paul Williams. Paul Williams, the songwriter who wrote a lot of the Muppets famous songs, like he's a great songwriter. He went off and wrote these songs that are written by these two songwriters, which are very expertly written to be sort of like what bad songwriters would write, but Mm. kind of lovable songs. So I remember the first time I saw the film when I was a kid on television, it was that part of the movie that got me. It was seeing these goofy songs these guys were doing, and they were all kind of catchy and memorable. And I found out that Paul Williams actually went and wrote, like he was asked by the the production team, write actual songs, like write full songs. Mm -hmm. Then Dustin Hoffman and Warren Beatty will learn those songs, and they'll perform them in the movie, and we'll use just these little bits. So Mm -hmm. there's like montages, though, where you get like a verse or part of a, a verse, part of a chorus. Very memorable, very catchy. I remember being a kid and wishing that this soundtrack existed. But knowing that they actually got a songwriter to write full songs, and they spent days getting Dustin Hoffman and Warren Beatty to learn those songs, and then they shot those, and those essentially are in a quick montage, that's another way you could see the money just kind of bleeding out of this movie. They weren't making it with any sense of urgency. Mm. Um, And I think there were some pretty big salaries to take care of. So... It was a movie that was kind of doomed by its very pedigree, but I think if you watch it now, particularly the first hour when they're in New York and they're struggling and they're trying to get gigs, it's it's really funny stuff. And the songs, you do kind of wish every one of the little songs that you hear, you kind of wish you heard you could hear the three minute version of that song, you know. Mm, so yeah. I, I I think it's an underrated movie. I do think that in recent years, like I think it finally came out on Blu-ray in in the states last fall, uh, last August actually. Um, <clears throat> So I think that it's kind of, it's one of those where you now hear people saying, oh, Ishtar's not that bad. That yeah. seems to be the party line about Ishtar, yeah. is that it's not the worst movie ever made, which is what people kind of wanted it to be for years. But uh, but still, it's a movie that I think when people hear the name, they think it would be a slog to sit through, or that it would be boring or something. And it's none of that. It's just too much money was spent on it, uh, once yeah. again. Yeah. But...
1: Um... I need to check it out. I mean, that sounds pretty cool.
0: I've never seen it. I've always heard those, yeah, the, the, the
2: the legend of it.
0: Yeah, well, like, here's a great story about just a quick little thing. Like, this is the kind of production problem they had. They needed a blue-eyed camel for, for the purposes of some scene. Um, and they sent out a guy to go buy a camel, you know, where they were shooting. And this guy found a blue-eyed camel, but he didn't like the price. And so he kept looking around. And then he found out blue-eyed camels are really rare. He needed to go back and buy that original camel. And he went back, but the man had already eaten the camel. Yeah. So that's the <laughs> what? that's the kind of production stories that just abound when you when you start yeah. to scratch the surface of this movie. There were so many weird decisions being made and so many things like that. Um, but um, yeah, I might even uh, uh, to this day I don't that's think th- I don't think anyone made a soundtrack album. And I'd, like if you talk to anyone who likes this movie, one of the first things they'll say is, "Oh, those songs are so so catchy. You really do mm. wish they had pulled a Spinal Tap and just gone ahead and made the Rogers and Clark." album that these two mm. guys who kind of they kind of want to be simon and garfunkel but they're totally not you know yeah. but it's wow I, I, like at the time this. at the time i remember thinking i didn't know that warren Beatty and dustin hoffman would do something this kind of goofy looking at it now you see kind of the beginnings of almost like that kind of ricky gervais style cringe comedy where they're they're pouring their hearts into this music and anybody who hears it yeah. just is think just thinks they're a joke but it's yeah. it's definitely a funnier movie than you might expect and check it out
1: um my pick is a movie that I didn't I didn't know I, was think, I f- think I think we did all of them already. We did all. That's, that's my, that was
2: three. But, oh, but let's do serious? also rants.
1: Well cuz I didn't have that first one. All right. Uh how did though
0: you know what? I, I didn't list. know it was a I flop. I thought somebody would put that on the list, but it made it zero. A, I didn't know it was a flop. It was one... Like, a lot of times you'll see these movies, they'll be up a little, down mm. a little, but that one was... That flat yeah. line. They made yeah. back exactly what they... I <laughs> what had no idea. On. I
1: watched that movie so much as a kid. I was like, oh man, that movie must have made a million billion dollars. It did not. So, okay, that's... It.
0: Well, what were some... Did you have some also-randed
2: Um. Yeah, I also had... Uh, I had a couple that just were i didn't want to put i didn't want to keep putting ones on that like made the money later yeah but like uh i had like shawshank i had children of men
0: Um, men. good choice
2: Um, both of those i didn't know what else did i have scott pilgrim
0: uh versus the world i thought that's a oh that's a that's a great example that's a huge flop that's a great example because it was like edgar wright's most expensive most touted film yeah like
2: did not did not work. Only the people that like I think. And I I'm, I'm not even like I'm not super familiar with the with the comics or the graphic novels that it was mm-hmm. based on. But um there's always like a there's like everything you read about it's like only those people went to see the film. Yeah. I, I mean, I find it it, it it's rewatch
0: value is, is amazing. Yes. Well, I thought, I think it's great. Yeah.
2: I I'm a huge fan of the movie, not even being familiar with the source material, but I, yeah. it's, it just didn't catch on. Um looking at a couple movies in the 80s, I had a uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Mhm. A huge flop. Um, oh I, mean, I didn't know that I guess I would have I mean again it goes on to make money on yeah. DVD but that movie made 11 million it cost 25 okay so people didn't think John Carpenter could make anything but horror movies I guess but, right um, uh, what else did I have I just Iron Giant I also had Gattaca another movie I talked about a few times on the show um, I think that was like made for like 30 some 36 40 and it made 12 uh, a really smart sci-fi film that I just don't understand. And the only one I had was um, another Brad Pitt movie. This movie, I understand. I mean, it was very niche and got, like, no release, but um, it's been on a few of our episodes. The Assassination of Jesse James by the cow Robert Ford. Yeah. Um, I like Andrew Dominic. It's his second film. Um, I don't know. It's a movie that, like, I think when it was actually completed... In 2006, there was a lot of buzz for it. It got shelved. Didn't come out until two years later. Mm-hmm. It kind of lost a lot of momentum, even with a huge star like Brad Pitt in it, and uh, also Casey Affleck was in it back when I think people knew his name more mm-hmm. um, in the mid to late 2000s. And uh, but it was it's kind of a downer, you know. And maybe people don't like Brad Pitt with a beard. I don't know, but you know it didn't catch on. It, it has a following for sure. Um, amazing score, which I had on my list for the episode that we did for that. Um, but just, I think a great film, great performances, um, one of Brad Pitt's best performances and, uh, it's really long, but I don't know, it's, it's definitely, a beautiful film, great performances, no one saw it. Yeah. And, uh, that was, I think the bulk of what I had.
0: I uh, yeah, I had a couple of kind of legendary flops, uh flawed films that I see some value in but no real surprise that the Adventures of Baron Munchausen <laughs> did not make, I love that did moment. not make back its uh, 46 million dollar budget it made like eight million uh, grand total My but did. I think that movie's full of I love the sort of uh, just all the the approach to the sort of the visual imagination on display and all the all the yep. sets and costumes everything feels very handmade Terry Gilliam does great with that kind of world building but I do think he sometimes it seems, seems like he's more focused on those little details than he is like the characters having a relatable struggle. Sometimes, mm-hmm. um, not a, again not a movie I think of as a great film, but I could I could easily watch it, full of charm, full of character. Um, but yeah, definitely a, a underperformer. And then this is a movie that I, I I don't even know if I love it. In fact, I think I I pretty much just like half of it. But I was surprised it was such a flop, which is Grindhouse, and by that I mean the full Grindhouse experience with Planet Terror followed by Death Proof and then all the trailers. I remember seeing that at the theater and thinking it was such a neat concept, the yeah. thought that you could go see a double feature, and the thought that you could, oh, okay, we're going to go to the theater and kind of see what it is. Um, the, the truth is, I think of Death Proof as probably maybe my least favorite Tarantino film. Um, Planet Terror might be one of my favorite Robert Rodriguez films, though, mm-hmm. so it kind of balances out, but um, still a surprise to me that it barely, I mean, it made back uh, less than half its budget. It made $25 million in the box office, and it cost fifty-three.
2: Wow.
0: Um, and then, uh, you know, movies that catch a lot of hell that you that you don't think are that bad, like Waterworld. I think there's some Defenders of Waterworld out there. Again, it cost way too much for what it was. But yeah. it's also, for kind of a Mad Max redo, it's not such a bad thing. And then one that I was surprised to see come up on all the big flop lists, a movie I kind of liked, but um, didn't know it was that expensive, was 13th Warrior, which, uh. which was one of the biggest flops... In terms of like, I think it you know like it missed its budget by like 60 million in terms of what it made. I think it co- it cost about 120 million to make and made about half that.
2: Well, who's in that?
0: Uh, Antonio like Banderas. Banderas. Oh yeah yeah yeah. I mean, not a great film, but not not uh, like like we've said about a lot of these. Some of these movies you would think they were the worst films ever made based yeah. on being based big flops. And that's, yeah. I mean, clearly we all know box office is not an indication of quality, but. Um, I, I do see I do see that kind of I do see that kind of interesting through line of just movies that when you think about them they seem like they would have done better or even yeah. that they did like you would have a memory in your head that they that they did do better by the way people should know Ronald just escaped he just ran off he, he got came. out I thought he might be running off to do his comedy set but he was actually running to the the the, the powder room to powder his nose nope sounds like he's taking a piss <laughs> oh that Ronald to come full circle on why we, why you were even
2: inspired to suggest this, um, this to sum it up, go see Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. Please. <laughs> yeah, this, <laughs> this movie will make its money back so we're not too concerned. Uh, but, uh, you know, th- those kinds of movies make you scratch your head sometimes and, you know, they still are out there. And this is a really great example of not just a movie that, like, you know, some of the ones we picked critics were really fans of. Some of them were not. Some of them we, we found a relationship with. But, um, Edge of Tomorrow, I think, fits all of them, and mm-hmm. it's, just, it's just that original film that just, it's not finding, it's not finding its audience. Its drop week over week is not that bad, so it's definitely still has some word of mouth. It has some legs, but Tom Cruise, it, you know, he's not the, he's not the star he used to be. Unfortunately,
0: it doesn't burn as bright. Well, I hope he doesn't get scared off from doing these interesting genre films, though, because I think that's my favorite thing about him right now is that he clearly loves sci-fi. and i love seeing the kind of budget that you know tom cruise wants to do the movie you're going to see a certain level of production value and a certain type of director brought in um so my idea would be i want tom cruise to become interested in any genre project that i like like if it's from an existing book or comic or (laughs) property that i enjoy i want tom cruise to take an interest in it because the chances of it becoming a, a big movie that might actually be good is surprisingly high so so Ronald's back from his bathroom break. Just yeah. in time for us to say goodbye to all <laughs> you schmoofy listeners out there. Um, <laughs> that's Ronald. Um. Yeah,
1: I just shit a thousand shits. I just feel so much better. I don't know to tell jokes. Hopefully that. It's good.
0: I gotta say If you're gonna get on stage And tell some jokes I take a shit before I do It's good to be done with the shit Cause I know time. that if you Like I know whenever I play a show With my band Like if I've got anything Going on down there It's just It, it makes it miserable to, miserable to be on stage Do you get nervous stomach Before you?
1: I do I poop every time Like every time I'm gonna do stand up
0: <laughs> Oh That doesn't sound healthy
1: Oh
0: Oh you get that Looked at Ronald <laughs> I think something's wrong with Ronald. i will parlay that into your uh, stand tonight. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck, i Thank you. Uh, thank you
2: guys for listening uh, to episode 115. Uh, as always, you've made our day. Yeah. Thanks,
0: guys. This is. is... is... cherry ripple
2: yeah. Lip
1: smacking, back slapping, perfectly delicious.
2: No, no. Hot fudge love, cherry ripple kisses. Lips smacking, back slapping, perfectly
1: delicious. I got it, I got it. If you admit that you can play the accordion,
0: no one will hire you in a rock and roll band. Shit,
2: man, when you're on, you're on.